But before I go into the sermon, I'd like to once again bow our heads for a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, I pray for your spirit to be upon us. And Lord, at times like this, we remember the power of your spirit, that you are not just present with us in 798 Thompson Road, that you can be with us in every household, everywhere around the world at this very moment. And then anybody that's tuning into this worship and who will tune in later can be filled and inspired and empowered by your spirit to be changed and transformed, to become more and more like Jesus in their love for you and love for others. We submit today's worship service and this sharing of your word into your hand. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This past few weeks has been horrible. Horrible, 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 right? There's people who, who have told me it's bad. I tell you it's really bad. And the scary thing is the news is filled up with horrible news that horrible news gets swept away so fast as new horrible news. It's just constantly happening. This photo was taken last week or the week before. Flooding in Europe. Flooding Europe. Like this is after the flood. The flood was so powerful, they overturned the car and from the updates, I've read different stats, but in just Germany alone, there was 55 to 155 deaths from just one day, the flood. And of course, you've heard about in Henan City. The same is happening. It's still happening right now. There's already about 100 people dead and a lot, thousands of people lost, uncontactable, flooding. And has just, uh, just, just come over people in just one day. They say that there's the most amount of rainfall in a thousand years in the he- recorded history of China. One day, or one period of time, in a thousand years. Crazy. They had so much rainfall in three days that it was the amount of rain they, they usually have for the entire year in three days. Just bucketed down, flooding the streets. And you must realize it's still in the middle of the pandemic. Viruses, infection, medical care, access to hospitals will all be blocked off, causing more collateral damage and other death than we can ever imagine. Horrible week. And then following from that, I never think this will ever happen in Singapore. But a student... I don't know the reason, I'm not going to judge that person, but went to school, brought an ex, and killed a 16-year-old, killed a 13-year-old in a public school in Singapore. I always think that there's things that happen overseas in other countries, but now it's just in our backyard. It's in Jurong, Boonle area. If you want to talk about close to home, although it happens often, it's underreported, but this recent one was reported. St. Joseph, down the road, Thompson Road. A kid just fell from height, most likely jumped. There are people around us who are suffering. What are we, the church, going to do about it? Are we just going to complain that we can't go out and eat out anymore? Are we just going to like... Think about the inconveniences of working from home or convenience for some. You talk about all the frustration we have of having long queues at supermarket because now you have to recheck in and check out again where some people around the world just next door in Malaysia 
have no food to eat. They have to raise a right white flag of surrender. I have no food, I need help. The church, as that, has to do better. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, our scripture reading for today, that the Holy Spirit has inspired the praise team to also sing a song about it. It says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And this verse, I'm sure you've heard it preached about, talked about, you've had Bible studies about it, if you have spent enough time in church. But one thing, if you notice that, consistently the attitude towards this is very interesting. But first, let me describe or explain kingdom as according to the Oxford Dictionary. It says, a country, a state, or a territory ruled by a king or queen, for example, the kingdom of the Netherlands. Right, let's do a kingdom, let's do the royalty. And we all know in Singapore, they're more familiar with the British royal family because we're under them, the United Kingdom. Or, interesting, this is in Oxford Dictionary, right? This is not in a, secular, a, a, a Christian dictionary. It's in a secular dictionary, it says, a kingdom represents the spiritual reign or authority of God. So, when Christians talk about seeking first the kingdom of God, which description do you think about? Most likely the second one, the spiritual reign of God. But I'd like to present to you that the answer is that it's both. It's both. How? How is it both? See, the thing, the interesting thing I was talking about when we look at this verse is whenever we talk about seeking the kingdom of God, Christians react passively. Let me explain. What do I mean when people react passively? When you talk about, am I seeking the kingdom of God? It means I must not do things that God is not pleased with. When I talk about seeking the kingdom of God, it means that I must give certain things to the church and not do it for myself. It's about preventing myself from stepping out of the kingdom. It's as though we have a self-imposed national lockdown spiritually, whenever we talk about the kingdom of God. You're not allowed to travel to other countries when you're seeking the kingdom of God. You have to stay within the kingdom of God and you can't go out. Passive. We try to like avoid things in our seeking, which is really interesting because the verse itself, the seeking, the verb, is an active verb. So I'd like to walk you through from not other books of the Bible, from the same author, from the book of Matthew, all the times that it, it brings out the kingdom of God. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 3. Before Jesus officially come onto the scene, of course, his birth was already introduced, but at this point in time, John the Baptist was the one who's preaching and, and baptizing. He was the one who's paving the way for Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, the message that John the Baptist was preaching is this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, it's not passive. It's an active word where it says, 
actively turn around, turn back to God. For the kingdom of God is not coming in a far distant time away. It's, come, it's at hand. The word at hand is, is same as the word that they use for at the door. It means it's here already. But just haven't entered in. It's like when a guest come over to visit and they, they, rang your, they ring your doorbell, they're not like coming to your house. They're already there and they're just waiting for the host to open the door. It's at hand. That's John the Baptist. That's what he said. And this was during 2,000 years ago during the time of Jesus. All right? He said the kingdom of God is at hand. And of course, after that, Jesus came onto the scene in the next chapter, in chapter 4. And as soon as he, after he was baptized, he went into, or before he was baptized, he was brought by the Spirit into the wilderness for his temptation. And there is an exchange. We don't know whether it's a physical or in, a, in the Spirit or, or, or vision, but there was an exchange between Jesus and the devil. And of course, this story was told by Jesus himself because at this time, he had no disciple. Right? So it was himself, he was in the, in the wilderness. In chapter 4, it says, in verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Again the devil took Jesus, took him, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their glory. I bet it's a vision because it's very hard to see the whole globe, whole earth from just one vantage point. But buildings were a lot shorter then. And of course, I think you're quite high up. But he showed him all the kingdoms. Of course, maybe he's talking about all the powerful kingdom that was concentrated in the middle part of the world. But here is a claim by the Satan that this kingdom did not belong to God. Mind you, it's not a spiritual reign. It's a physical description of the kingdom of the world, actual places that the devil was showing Jesus. He says, look at the kingdom. If you worship me, I'll give it to you. So that's a claim that the kingdom of the world belongs to Satan, or he claims it in, against the kingdom of God. And I suspect that this physical tension between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the devil is still happening today. The next verse, chapter 4, still same chapter, verse 17. After he, he conquers the devil, he gains victory over Satan, he walks out the wilderness, he begins his ministry, and he hears that John the Baptist has been arrested. It means his ministry has to come to a stop. And now it's Jesus' turn to begin his ministry. Verse 17. Verse 17, chapter 4 of Matthew says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying the exact same message as John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here, guys. Jesus preached the exact same message as John. Then verse 23 follows. And he went, Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So church, there's something important the church have to notice here. When we preach the gospel, it is not just about intellectual cognitive understanding. 
which for the longest time the church has been focused on. And that's why the, the Sabbath morning worship is so important because you are listening and understanding and learning about the Word. But you realize that actually in the ministry of Jesus, whenever he preached the Word, it comes along with him a very important aspect of healing and relieving of pain of those who are suffering. In fact, continuously you will read that specifically even on the Sabbath day, Jesus will seek out those who are suffering and heal them and relieve them of pain. How has it that the church today has gone from being actively involved in following the Master, in, in relieving pain and healing the sick, to coming, becoming passive in, I've attended church. I've heard the word. The kingdom of God is not something that we receive continuously, but it's something that once we receive, we have to start sharing. And in sharing the kingdom of God, we don't share the message of the kingdom of God only. We have to engage ourselves in the act of relieving people of suffering and pain. It's not just about social fellowship, gathering, having a good time together. That is important because we want people to see the love we have for one another. And that takes a lot of work, even. I was going to talk about this today, about what I've just mentioned, but I, I, I scrapped that sermon because there's so much happening this week that I think I have to speak towards that. And I'll talk about this community of love and diversity later on next week or the week after. But a church has to change our mindset from turning on Facebook, receiving worship, receiving songs, receiving sermons, and then we think we have observed the Sabbath. We have not. We do not keep the Sabbath by not doing anything. Because that's the lie we've been told. Like I grew up like, okay, you're not supposed to watch the TV, you're not supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that on the Sabbath. You just don't do anything. That's Sabbath. That's rest. No. Even in sleeping at night, our brain goes through the process of debriefing the body on what happens throughout the day, although it's not conscious. It's packaging stuff, memory, storing it in our long term, getting rid of rubbish from the short term. A lot of work. There's a healing that happens in the muscles, recovery. A lot of work goes through that point in, at night where you don't even realize, but the body is working hard. That's why you need to sleep. That's why if you don't sleep continuously, you, actually, you can actually physically die because your body has no time to recover. So Sabbath is not just about resting, it's about healing and recovery, not just for ourselves, but for others too. I can confess that I've not actively done that systematically, continually, consistently in my Christian life. It's sporadic. Once in a while, we'll do a big program. I thoroughly enjoy myself and I think it's awesome, but I know that's not what God calls me to do. It's more. God calls us to intentionally seek out opportunity to relieve people of pain and suffering. And this COVID has reminded the church that we need to do better because it's happening right in our backyard. I can imagine the students from St. Joseph, from River Valley, feeling, what happened? I just sat beside this dude yesterday. Could I have reached out? Could I have said something? Could I have done anything? 
I was just reading uh, an article about hawkers, right? Hawkers, um, and about various old folks struggling. So there's this guy, this, this, this couple who opened a shop called Gina Vidai. They don't pay me for anything for saying this, but it's, it's an awesome piece of story. Um, Gina Vidai, and they, they sell Vidai? 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 Yeah? And they have like five different flavors. It was really popular, but because of certain changes in the first shop, they have to move to a second shop, and, and the place nobody knew about them. They have to re- start all over, and business was really bad. That the, the owner, Gina, and the husband, I forget his name, were at a point where they were going to kill themselves. So Gina relate the story to the reporter that they had the ropes ready tied to the ceiling fan. They're going to kill themselves because they can't live, they can't support the family, they're going through a really tough time. And she shared, she's just like 60, 70 year old today, why it didn't happen. Because just as they were going to do it, a call came in. And the husband decided, I should answer the call. And in the call, the guy says, hey, I'm going to come interview you tomorrow. How are you doing? It must be tough for you. This is in the 60s, 70s. And he decided, oh, I'll finish the interview, and i kill myself later. Hangs up the phone. The interview made them famous. One call. Is there somebody, as that, as the church, is there somebody you need to call that God has impressed your heart to, to contact that you've been delaying, you've been waiting, you've been procrastinating? Do it. Even now, I'm okay. If you feel compelled that God is inspiring you to check on somebody at this very moment, go ahead. Because you know why? Because worship hour is such a precious time for some people. They've been doing it for their entire lives that all of a sudden, they cannot come to church or some of us in that have not come to church for over a year and a half. And there are some that I'm still looking for them. I can't find them. And they are feeling the loneliest, the, 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 uh, the lo- most lost in this very hour because they, their brain, their body is telling them that they're supposed to be at church and they can't be at church. And it's a horrible feeling. I mean, they may be feeling really depressed right now and maybe God is inspiring you to give them a call right at this moment. Call them. Call him. Call her. I'm okay. The church needs to do better to watch out for those who are suffering, who are challenged in our backyard. Singapore's not very big, but some of the loneliest time you can feel is among a crowd. Because you feel as though you're among so many people and yet nobody cares. Come to church week after week before we had COVID and you go home and nobody on Sabbath, no one asks you how are you doing and that's all you wanted to hear that day. You came among hundreds of followers of Jesus. You enjoyed an awesome potluck lunch. You had people say goodbye, but nobody checked and said, how are you doing? No, none of us expected that the last Sabbath before we got shut down was going to be our last Sabbath. Nobody expected last week that this week's not going to be church anymore. Could be your last chance to say, how are you doing for, for the last time in a long time? In person, give them a hug. Remember one another. I'll take this opportunity to remember. We have two birthday kids today in ASDAC. If you have not messaged them, it's Sherwin and Janita's birthday today. 
We used to celebrate it together every month, have cake, but we can't today. But I don't think they'll mind you dropping them a message. And for those, those of us who are here, say happy birthday to Janita. And the scripture goes on, and the scripture goes on in chapter 6 of Matthew, verse 10, just before our scripture reading, when the disciple comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, teach us to pray. What is important to you, Jesus? Tell us. And Jesus exemplified. Jesus showed them that at the end of the entire prayer, before, no, before the prayer for give us this day, our daily bread, and I'll explain why it's after. Jesus says, pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Because why? Because some people, Jesus knows, he saw into the future, that some people will no longer have bread. So much so that he says, what use is it for you to say, bless and be well, and you send somebody who comes to your door away hungry, or send somebody away naked. In fact, he says, when I come, I'm going to ask you, have you fed the hungry, took care of the poor, clothed the naked, visited the imprisoned? Because Jesus knows that there will be people who will be going hungry if they become followers of Jesus, we're in a much better place today, but back then, if you say you're a Christian, you'd be kicked out of your household. You'd be disowned by your family because they're Jews and you've become this new belief heretic out. And without the support of the family, if you're not a working strong male, you will go hungry because that's the culture back then. You have no way of supporting yourself. That's why the church have to share the resources. They have to have daily agape feasts because there'll be widows and single mothers and children who are kicked out of their house. Do you know some of the widows became widows not because their husband died, but their husband divorced them for becoming Christians? Many. So it's useless to say, give us this day our daily bread when the church is not giving. And so Jesus first prayed, and ask his disciple to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because the church has become soldiers, frontline workers of God's kingdom in spreading his goodness, feeding the hungry, not just occasionally, every single day. And then finally he ends, to forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Many prayers that I prayed, and I've heard many other prayers, if it's the prayer is 10 minutes even, there'll be five minutes dedicated to this one part. Forgive my sin, I've done wrong, so sorry God, I'm guilty, I'm ashamed. And they'll keep begging God to forgive as though God do not want to forgive them. But God says, no, I want to forgive you. You ask and I'll help you. And you, you know what's the problem, Christians? Why you keep falling back into sin? Because you're passively avoiding sin, not actively engaging in good works that will give you no time to be in sin. If you're actively serving the needy, feeding the poor, looking at those who are suffering, when you see others as humans and stop objectifying them, you see them as real children of God, you have no time to sin. 
you can't hate your brothers and sisters in a way that you used to hate them. You can't ignore them in the way that you used to ignore them. When you stop objectifying others, you stop objectifying yourself. You know, we objectify ourselves. You know what we do? We think we're a machine. You're a machine. Good deeds, bad deeds. Input the right thing, good deed. Input the wrong thing, bad deeds. We stop viewing ourselves as human, as messy humans struggling with emotions and the reality of life. So we need to start seeing others as human and seeing ourselves as human. And then one of the most important things, you know, an, an object, a machine doesn't need help. But humans do. When you allow others to help you, you won't spend time confessing your sin as much as before because you have people helping you through the process and the journey. You're not doing this alone. The church has to do better. Which finally brings us to the powerful statement, the scripture reading, the hymn that we sung. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first, I like the King James name, the kingdom of God, and all His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. When you're seeking to give, the parable that Jesus tells, that if a person, a neighbor comes to your house, or a guest comes to your house hungry, and if you're trying to live out the kingdom of God, you will go as far as going to your neighbor, pestering them to borrow bread so that you can feed the guest. It's not that, I have nothing to give, sorry, go, go to my neighbor, he has more. No, no, we take it upon ourselves as individuals to hold responsibility for the people that God has brought into our lives. It cannot be somebody else's problem. It has to be mine. Who is God bring to your door? Who is God bring into your way? Feed that person. And so continuously we've seen the progression from the kingdom of God is at hand to participating in the kingdom of God. Already. Matthew 10, verse 7. Matthew 10, verse 7, in Jesus, John the Baptist preached the message, Jesus preached the message, and now he has disciples. He tells his disciples this is the message you are to preach and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is interesting because didn't they already participate in the work of the kingdom? Yes, but not everybody. So as the kingdom expands, more and more people will come face to face with the kingdom and the invitation is extended to them. Now that it's at your door, do you want to come in? It is not as some of us grew up thinking the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, is the place we go to after the second advent of Jesus. It is not the place we go when Jesus takes us home. That's the kingdom of heaven. That is a part of the kingdom, but the kingdom has already started. Now, here, you and I can live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven if we choose to do so today. Once you get baptized, that's exactly what you're going to do. Once you get baptized, you're saying, God, I'm no longer a citizen of the world. I'm a citizen of your kingdom. And I'm living according to your principle of your kingdom. I skip through the whole part that I already preached about, the Beatitudes, because those are like instructions of how to live in the kingdom already. Disciples are called to live 
and preach the word that came at hand. And so in summary, Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 12, From the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. This is one of the most confusing verses I read growing up. I'm like, what does it mean? And I used to think it was about the final Jesus, heaven, New Jerusalem coming again, and the sinner saying, the unrighteous saying, attack the holy city. I always thought that was the only thing. There was a young James, but as I studied more, there is another part. Of course, people react to the kingdom of God, they attack it, they persecute them, and that is a part of this explanation. But do you know the bigger meaning of this is not violent as we understand violent acts today as in murder and killing. The violent here, the word that is translated violent here, describes an intense passion and desire. So if they translated it in a way that maybe makes a little bit more, is a little bit more complete, they would say, and I'm trying my best to do it here, it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been attacked by people violently wanting to enter into it. So much so that the violence take it by force, that they will, they're so intense in their desire to enter the kingdom, they will push through despite opposition. It's not describing the enemy, it's describing the yet-to-be followers of Christ. And Jesus talks about those people, the Gentiles who is not their time yet. They continually, continuously seek out Jesus violently, passionately, saying, Can I enter your kingdom? So Jesus says there's a lot of people out there already waiting to enter the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God, as that is a part of it, we must stop trying to just guard it for ourselves but invite more people into it, not necessarily attend church but into relationship with Jesus. The kingdom of heaven has already come. The kingdom of heaven has started its work of expansion many years ago. Matthew 12, 28. Jesus, in confronting his accuser, in answering the question in verse 28, says, But if it is by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Jesus is ultimately the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not a place. The kingdom of heaven is not a time in history. The kingdom of heaven is not a spiritual reign, but according to the scripture, the most accurate description of the kingdom of heaven is Jesus himself. And when you participate in this relationship with Jesus, you have entered the kingdom of God. Because the most important aspect of a kingdom is not the geographical boundaries. It's not the place. It's not the law that dictate how to function. It's the king. There can be no kingdom without a king. And Jesus is the king. So as that, I invite you to move from the passive into the active. That you actively participate in the kingdom of God and don't just wait for once a week passively to receive word about the kingdom, to sing song about the kingdom, but to actively bring it to every aspect of your life, everywhere, to everybody, to any time. It's a new phenomenon that's happening in the working world. 
that the hiring process is really complicated now. They don't have to hire you if you're Singaporean or live in Singapore. It's called work from everywhere. It's not from home, huh? So a company in Singapore can hire somebody in Brazil and they're part of, and his teammate could be living in Canada. All working together. The hiring process, you don't have to come for face-to-face -face interview. Just do it over Zoom. Work from everywhere, anywhere, anytime. You can go and, 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 go and the Phuket's open up, you know, and go to the there, book a resort for three months and work from there. No problem. You can go try and watch Tokyo Olympics and try not to get COVID. And you can work from there. You can go and hide out in the mountains in the Swiss Alps and work from there. Must have internet though. And also the, the church, we must remember that the kingdom of God is ever-expanding. It shouldn't be contracting. It's not about drawing circles about who belongs to the kingdom of God and try to ostracize, exclude, those guys are not kingdom of God, we are kingdom of God. And then the circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. That's not what it is about. Drawing off the circle and all that stuff, leave it to God. He's the king. You are the soldiers. You are the frontline people. Don't bother with the king's job. Don't be God. Let God decide. The kingdom of heaven, the same word is used in the Bible interchangeably, the kingdom of God, began when Jesus started to actively engage the world. Grammar mistake. Sorry, teachers. To actively engage the world. Christians are called to continue in His act of actively engaging the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not through your own methods, not through your own smarts, not through your own uh, knowledge or your, your whatever passion and motivation. No, it has to be inspired, motivated, brought about by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, when the Spirit has come, then the work of God has started. We are called to actively bring about the shalom, the peace that is Jesus in the lives of people. More than ever before in the history of Singapore, people need the peace that transcends all understanding. We're not asked to keep that for ourselves. It doesn't decrease because you share it. In fact, it multiplies when you share it. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is their peace. Don't be selfish. Jesus can be shared. The more you share, the more you get. It's like the breaking of the bread to feed the 5,000. The more he broke it, the more the baskets get filled. Five loaves and two fishes. Because the little boy shared with Jesus, he allowed Jesus to use it, 5,000 was fed. What does it mean to be active? I will define it as best as I can for the church. To be active for the kingdom of God is to intentionally seek out people around you who needs peace, comfort, support, encouragement, help, food, clothes, or simply a listening ear. Intentionally is the word. Not accidentally, incidentally, wait for it to happen. They can call me. No, 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 no. To actively means to intentionally, or even some of you who are very systematic, to go and contact people. When I was in church in, a, in, in Australia, I have a friend who, 
who would call through the whole church directory every day. He says, just five minutes, I'll call three people every day. They don't all pick up. One pick up, spend a little bit of time with that person. And the church was not a small church, and this friend would go through the entire church every year. It's like reading devotional, you know, the daily bread. My friend would read devotional, then call people. He says, just, just 30 minutes, maybe in the morning, in an hour. I'll call them during lunch. One in the morning, one lunch, one after work. Three people, he goes through, a, goes through them in, in a year. And anybody you ask them, you ask them, hey, 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 how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. You know, somebody called me. Like, they always mention it. So-and-so called me. And I'm like, that's a ministry nobody recognized. They're not in the, the nominating committee, church phone caller. No such thing, but he just did it. Imagine if the church, more of the church did it. People, be, people in need would be getting more than just one call. They'd be getting two calls, three calls, more than one. So the question, church, to ask yourself today, is there someone around you that needs this peace? Is there someone that needs to hear about Jesus or be reminded about Jesus? I know our church has some people who also actively do that. I really appreciate you guys. That you watch out for the people I can't see. You know, I had requests, Pastor, you haven't seen me in a while. Let me do a simple math for you. There's about 150 of us. I'm only allowed to visit two families a day. And at times, I can't visit people of lockdown. And I also, I live in great fear before I was vaccinated. I'm like, what if I visit the older folk? And I, because I'm like exposed to a lot of people all the time, I like, and I bring the virus to somebody, you know. I'm like, oh, I'm like, it, it really bothers me. And most people who want me to visit are older. But now I'm better, I'm, I'm vaccinated, but I'm like, before that, people call me, I'm like, what if I go and something happens, you know? Although I don't want to live in fear, but there is a fear, because you may see 10 people or 5 people a day. I would see like 50, 30 people a day sometimes. I just don't want to like, you know, be that super spreader, <laughs> like just really worrying. But even without that, without that, the average that I can see each of you once, if, I, if my goal is to visit everybody every year all the time, I'll see you once in 6 months. That's very good if I visit everybody. But there are some who I know that you get visits more than just me. You get a lot of other visits. But there are some among us who get no visits. And I need to go visit those guys. And there are some, I'm not making excuses, but I'm just saying like, I need more of you to help me. Then I can visit all of you very often. But I just got people walking into church and they've come to church for months and nobody knows them. And I have to visit. I have to bring people to introduce them to these guys. All of us need to help me. I have a lot of blind spots. I can't see everybody. But I don't want, at least not in SDEC, when I hear stories of people, friends who have visited other churches for months and they tell me later when they come to SDEC or they come to another church that I have a part of, I say, why do you come to this church? Well, I was at another church for six months. Nobody knows my name until now. Let's not have that happen in SDEC. Although now it's really difficult. But let's do better. Let's try. Let's strive. Let's be intentional. Is there someone around you that needs this peace? Find this person. Because there is someone definitely near you that needs Jesus.
bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, open our eyes that we can see the people around us who need to see you. Open our ears to hear the needs that's voiced out, that's maybe camouflaged in a bunch of happiness and joy. But listen, help us to listen for the deep sorrow and pain and loneliness in those words. Guide us today to the one that you ask us to minister to. In Jesus' name I pray. Take care and join us again.